This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside, folks? I know it's hot and humid, but that's okay. We're going to be talking about gardening for the next hour or so. Welcome to our party. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting Weekly Garden Program. We call it the Gestalt Gardener, and I'm your host, horticulturist Stella Rushing. Our producer is the esteemed Jonas Adams, and we're going to be positive for the next hour or so. Hope you're enjoying the summer. Even though it's uh, cool where I am, I know it's really, really hot. My head is right there in the deep south of my garden. It's steaming, hoping for some of today's predicted rain, but it's okay. We're going to share emails. We're going to talk live about what's going on in your garden or not here on Mississippi Public Broadcast. Got some cheesy music coming up, too. Sit back, relax, folks. Join us after we take some news for this garden party we call MPB's Gestalt Gardener. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, welcome back. Again, for the and Jonas, I understand there was a heck of a storm that came through central Mississippi last night. How are we doing? Um, we're doing okay. Uh, we're trying to um, get ourselves back to uh, civilization in the Clinton area, in the um, Raymond area. A lot of people you know, without power, about 5,000 well, people or so without power. What about our, our tower for, for this part of the state? Yeah, our Raymond Tower is still down currently, so we are off the air in the Jackson area, but we have several, several people who are working um, very, very diligently and very hard to uh, get us back on the air as we speak, as a matter of fact. But in all other areas of the state, we are fully up and running. So those folks who complain that, that uh, some people who live in Jackson spend too much time talking about Jackson, this program is for y'all, right? <laughs> that is absolutely <laughs> correct. <laughs> I mean, you know, just trying to look for some, look, trying to make some lemon aid out of some lemons here, right? And I think that's what you do best, as a matter of fact. Well, you know, hey, before we get any further, let me share something. Let me scroll it down here. I've gotten an email this past week uh Jonas from Ryan McDermott down in Mobile. He wondered why his hydrangea wasn't blooming, and, and I, I, I sent him an email back about that. But here's what he put on the end of it. I, I wanted to share it. It's not patting myself on the back. It's, it's about MPB. He said, I very much appreciate how you emphasize the psychological benefits of gardening on your show. When I worked at the VA in Houston, I used to run men's groups with my co-facilitator for Vietnam veterans and Korean War veterans who'd experienced unimaginable trauma and qualified for a diagnosis of PTSD. One of the members of the group shared his garden with the rest of the group through pictures, and shortly after they developed a gardening club. The mindfulness experience of gardening and getting back to their roots, no pun intended, was profoundly therapeutic for these men. I think that's that's really good. Got a bunch of guys who are suffering uh, from traumatic uh, war experiences. Get together and made a little garden club. Ain't that cool? That is cool. You know what else is cool? What? I just got word that we are back on in Jackson. Okay, so we can stop talking about folks in Jackson. And yeah, get we, back can, to we can't talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think I fixed it somehow when I said that. I think I fixed it. 
There you go. There you go. Well, I wish I could so, take credit. Uh, I can't take that credit. Thank you, engineers. Well, <laughs> it's a huge team. And you know those engineer guys downstairs, you know, they got the weirdest. You go down there and they got wires sticking out of their hats and they got, you know, all this weirdness and they talk, their eyebrows move differently than everybody else. But they do a heck of a job keeping MPB, both television and radio, on the air all the time. You're absolutely correct. And we applaud them. And I take my hat off to them. Thank you. I take my. You bet you. You bet you. It's a heck of a team, folks. A lot of people don't realize the behind the scenes. Oh, the why. Sometimes we're broadcasting a program, and there's strange guys with strange looking eyes running wires through the office in the studio while we're on the air. Uh, but whatever it is they do is magic. Um, by the way, folks, I, I know it's really, really hot right now in Mississippi. I'm hoping my garden gets a good soaking this afternoon, e- even though some folks have had plenty. Uh, uh, but I'm still over in England right now. I'll be coming home fairly soon. But my little English herb garden is rocking right now. I've got full heads of sweet basil, uh, trailing variegated thyme. And my oregano, I have to keep it. They call it oregano over here. I have to keep snipping it back to keep it from going to flower. Uh, but I love cutting those up in spaghetti sauces and putting them on cheese and tomato pizzas. A uh, little herb garden is the easiest garden you can possibly have. You don't have to wait for it to do anything. They're ready to go the day you put them in. They need a little sun and occasional water, a little fertilizer. And so if you've got a big pot or a little small box or anything, I mean, heck, you can grow an entire herb garden in an old Weber grill out on your porch. Just fill the Weber grill up with potting soil and grow herbs in it. Um, but anyway, a couple of weeks ago, I took a six-inch sprig of rosemary, um, and after using what I needed, I stuck the end of it. I, I just put in a tumbler of water on the on the the windowsill, and within two weeks, it was rooted. So I'm potting it up this evening and taking it out on the moors where I go walking. Moors are sort of like low hills covered with with uh, blueberries and rhododendrons and and uh, all those those acidic loving things. Anyway, I'm going to take take this thing out. I'm going to set it loose on the English countryside as a nice surprise for fellow walkers. Now, don't worry, those folks who don't like imported invasive exotics, uh, rosemary is not an exotic plant here. It doesn't spread by seed or roots. Uh, so I'm just going to put it out there where it'll be okay. And if joggers or walkers uh, walk by, they're going to brush through it. Also, next week, I'm going to find out if my yellow-blooming Confederate jasmine is rooted. Uh, six weeks ago, I took short cuttings, and I put them in a well-drained potting soil. I covered them with a plastic cover, sort of like a miniature greenhouse to keep the humidity high. Uh, I put the whole thing out in really bright, direct light, not full sun. And I missed it a few times with the little squirt mister bottle I got. Which cools the leaves as they kind of struggle to send food out of the stench on the roots. We'll see. I'll report back what kind of percentage six don't have. But this is a great time. This is the summer. It's a great time to root evergreens like azaleas, hollies, and things like that. Um, but make sure you do what I recommend. Cover with clear plastic. Uh, put it in a bright area without direct sunlight. Uh, this keeps the humidity high. If you want to use rooting powders or gels, they help. They're not necessary for the help. The main thing is not let them stay wet or let them dry out. Moist is the word, humid being important as well. Give them six, eight, eight weeks before checking for roots. Um, and gardenia, like rosemary, will quickly in water. And also the uh, shrub called acuba, big broadleaf uh, green plant, usually with yellow specks on the leaves. Acuba is the shade living plant that roots in, in water also. Uh, this is a live program, folks. If you'd like to give us a call, one eight seven seven MPB ring. How the phones look, sir, Jonas? We have a call from Robert. 
calling from Hattiesburg, as a matter of fact, about transplanting small trees. All righty. Hey, Robert, good morning. Have you gotten any rain? Oh, we've gotten a little bit of rain, Phil. There was a lot worse yesterday. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it, it comes and it goes. We, we welcome what we get. Oh, I know it. I know it. Uh, definitely. Hey, thank you. A long-time listener for the program. First time caller. You uh, bet. Welcome. Welcome to our party. What, what can I help you with? Okay, so we live sort of right in the middle of downtown Hattiesburg, and uh-huh. I've got a lot of grass. And I would like to convert some of that grass to shaded area that doesn't grow so much grass. It isn't so much of a pain to mow. Um, yeah. Several years back, we found a buckeye growing down the alley and uh, snatched it up when it was about two feet tall and transplanted it to our yard. Probably put it a little bit close to the house, and now it's about 10 feet tall. Yeah. And uh, I want to I wanna take it out. I was wondering if I could put it over in that area of grass. It gets full sun all day, though. Um, yeah, here, here, here's a couple of problems with that. I'm not trying to be negative here, but I, I love Buckeye. I've got a huge one in my yard, and it comes up from the seeds all over the place. And last year, I actually potted up 18. You know how the, has yours made seeds yet? Uh, yes, a few times. Okay, you can take those seeds. As soon as that, that, that leathery husk opens up in September or so, you can take those big brown seeds and immediately put them in pots or in the ground, and they'll be six or eight inches tall before frost. And the reason okay. I'm saying that because uh, when, when you grow a plant from a seed, it's got a tap root. When you move it, it doesn't. And buckeye really doesn't like the full sun. It blew, it, matter of fact, it'll drop its leaves early in the, the fall if it gets too much sun. It's really better for light shade. And I would, I, I, I would personally hate to try to move a ten foot tall buckeye. It's just okay. you know that once the plant gets too big, it's, it's too rough on the grow some from seed this fall. Okay. Well. I don't. I don't really. The only reason I wanted to move it is because I thought maybe it was just a little too close to the house. Uh, no, it was only no. four feet away from no. the house. Probably a if problem. You li- if you live near downtown Hasbrook, you probably have a conventional foundation, or do you have a slab? We've got a conventional raised foundation. Yeah, buckeyes are not greedy plants. As a matter of fact, ten feet tall. The one I've had for years and years and years is maybe fifteen feet tall. They're not big plants. They're not greedy. So I would just leave it there and try to grow some from seed this fall, and you'd have enough to share with other folks too. By the way. But uh, okay. let me give you a couple of, couple of real quick tips on converting the area from, from grass to shade. Uh, okay. As a matter of fact, I wrote today's garden column in the Claire and Ledger's about doing this. Make your lawn a distinct shape. Where you want grass to be and where you want it to not be, lay a hose or a rope or spray paint or whatever and get the shape of the lawn you want. And then dig just a little ditch, four or five inches deep, you know, about a shovel's width, and then throw that dirt away from the lawn, and you'll have immediately a really nice shining gem, a distinct shape. And then whatever is not grass, cover it with mulch, bark, whatever you can get, completely covered up, and immediately you'll have a yin-yang effect, grass, not grass. And then just start planting stuff as you get around to it in the, the mulched area. Okay. But go ahead and make the lawn a distinct shape, whether square, rectangle, oval, round, curve, whatever. Make it the shape, and then everything else, mulch it, and then just plant stuff as you get around to it. Okay, well, I've got one more question about a, another sapling I'd like to transplant to help out with the uh-huh. shade. Thanks, sure. Uh, I'm sure, to a forgetful squirrel, we now have about an eight-foot-tall oak sapling coming up out of one of our beds. And yeah. I've left it alone because I said, well, maybe we could just take this over to the, the full sun area and plant it, and in a few years it'll provide a lot of shade. Um, 
but I don't know when to dig it up, if I should dig it up, or should just cut it out and get rid of it. Well, before I ever went to college to study horticulture, I worked in a nursery, and among other things, we grew trees out in fields. And so you can you can dig and move uh, an oak tree that's uh, seven or eight, maybe ten feet tall at the most, but you can only move a root ball that's as big as you can pick up, which is not nowhere near as big as what you can put your arm around. So keep right. in mind that the bigger the tree, the fewer roots you're going to take with it. It's best to do that in the fall. And, uh, you know, be- before you get ready to do that, shoot me an email, and I'll tell you the simplest, direct, the easiest, most likely to succeed way to dig and move a big tree. But you got till it drops the leaves to do that. Okay, excellent. Thank you so much, Melvin. Well, that's the start, man. Thanks for joining us uh, today. Uh, thank you. Have a good time over there in England. Thank you. See ya. This past week, I, I went walking around on the moors. They've got wild blueberries there, and they're not blueberries like we think of. They're called wimberries or billberries, and they're small. They're about the size of a bird's eye. It takes a hundred or so to fill up a cup. Uh, and unlike blueberries, they don't grow in clusters. You have to pick them one at a time, but they are everywhere. Now, this is a great time if you've got blueberry bushes in your garden. They're probably through producing right now. I go and think about pruning the tall stuff out and tip pruning the new growth of what's left and be done with it till, till next year. But be sure to give new fruit plants a good deep soaking every couple of weeks or so to get them through this, this hot, dry summer. We got more calls, Jonas? We have one that's almost ready, but we can go to a break and then come right back to it. Okay, that'd be great. That'd be great. We've got a lot of stuff going on, folks, and Jonas is working real hard. So is our, our, our summer intern named Hallie. She's from uh, from Clinton. She's doing the phone the phone call screening today. And we're, we're here at Mississippi Public Broadcast and doing our best to bring local stuff to you by local folks. So if you've got any questions about gardening uh, you, the, and you can't get it through while we're live on the air, shoot me an email. I've caught up with all except a handful that Jonas just sent me. But the garden, the email is garden at mpbonline.org. Uh, garden at mpbonline.org. I answered uh, several dozen this week. Look forward to hearing from you. We're going to take just a little short break and come back with more of the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Stick with us. Support for the Gestalt Gardener comes from Old House Depot. Antique windows, doors, shutters, flooring, and exposed beams. Architectural salvage, custom carpentry, you name it. Open 9 to 5 Monday through Saturday, 639 Monroe Street in Jackson. OldHouseDepot.com. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. print impaired. MPB's radio reading service is here for you. Our dedicated team of volunteers bring the world of news and entertainment to you. For information and to see if you qualify, call us at 601-432-6301. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thank you. 
back again. Horticulture is still rushing. I was just trying to catch up on some emails. Haven't uh, haven't had a chance to to do more in a couple since we got on the air. Uh, before we go to the phone calls, let me mention this. I got an email last week from Marguerite Boyd down on the Gulf Coast. And she wanted me to mention uh, anything I could about a widely used insecticide that seems to be causing problems to bees. Uh, and they're called neonicotinoids, neonicotinoids. Uh, and they are the, the most widely used insecticide on Earth right now. They've been banned in a lot of places because uh, they're systemic. And even though they're used in a lot of horticultural crops, including vegetables and herbs, and a lot of the plants you buy at garden centers and big box stores, they're grown commercially, and they use these neonicotinoids to control insects, which is sound sound like a good idea, but the problem is the poisons transfers in the plant to flowers, and their pollen disorients honeybees. We got a real serious a question about these, and they're being looked at. There is pros and cons, and so I'm not going to say you know thumbs up or thumbs down. I'm just saying that until we come up with a, another way that's going to work as effectively and more safely, I'm afraid they're going to be here to stay for a little while. So uh, if you go to a big box store, if you're concerned about these. Things like Lowe's and Walmart and Home Depot, their labels now state whether these neonicotinoids are being used on the plants or not, or just ask your local garden center. Um, anyway, there's some concern about it, some real concern, but I'm not going to really take a stand on it until I learn a little bit more about, you know, what's coming down the pipe to replace them. Anyway, if you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Who we got, Sir Jonas? We have Dave calling from Mobile about fertilizer. Okay. Hey, Dave. Good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? So far, so good. My head is in the south. And Lord, is it getting hot and humid outside. Oh, you ought to be in Mobile. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Uh, Last week, you were talking to a gentleman about salvia black and blue. Yep. Okay, I'm sure you where I got the spring from a um, nursery out in Loosedale. Uh, this is a ball introduction, and it's been right. updated to black and bold, B-O-L-T. <laughs> well, a new one that's an improvement over, they just changed the name. Well, they say, you know, it's, it's a, you know, next generation. Is that the correct term? Yeah, uh, yeah. But I sent you a little earlier uh, an email with a photograph. Uh, uh, the uh, stems are a lot blacker, and the bloom is much more intense than black and uh, uh, blue. It is spectacular. Because wow. that is intense as it is. You know, the, this is one of the perennial salads. we got a lot of perennial salads, and a lot of people don't realize they're incredibly tough. They're terrific hummingbird plants, too, and they're, they're really durable without a whole lot of water. But you say this one's even more intense blue with almost black stems. Wow. Yes, it is, uh, uh, you know, really, uh, uh, really nice. But that uh, wasn't my question, just uh, a note. Uh, this rain uh, that we're having constantly uh, is playing fits with my feeding of my uh, annual uh, flowers. I have have for years, uh, you know, used, uh, uh, you know, the water solubles. Right, right. Uh, I actually found uh, the old Peter's uh, 103020 recently. But Mm -hmm. uh, the rain that, you know, we have is uh, 
I'm sure, uh, diluting, uh, you know, what I'm putting down. Well, it washes away the water-soluble stuff. It, it, you know, every time it waters, it soaks away with the rainfall. Right. So uh, would I be better off going to uh, a time-release granular uh, around these plants? Well, it's a good idea. I use time-release granulars in my potted plants because that way every time I water, they get a little fertilizer. The problem with plants in the ground, and a lot of people use those things like Osmocote or whatever in flower beds, but unless you do water a lot, they last too long. Uh, okay. so, you know, it's sort of, it wouldn't hurt to put, let's say, about a half-strength amount around, around your annuals because that way they'll be fed continuously and steadily without overdoing it. Right. But, uh, you know, and then hit your plants occasionally with the water soluble stuff on their leaves, because that's like. And, and by the way, uh, are these are grown in pots or in the ground. In the ground. Okay, that's fine. If they're grown in pots, as much as uh, Peter's fertilizer has been used for a long time, and I was raised using it in nurseries, it it only has the the big three. It doesn't have the micronutrients that other plants need, which is the reason I would go with something Correct. similar to Schultz's or Miracle Grow or something with micronutrients. But anyway, you could use Osmocote, but whatever the directions call for, use it half strength. That'll make your plants just as healthy, just as big without pushing them too much. Okay, and aren't those time-release fertilizers, as far as the you know releasing of the fertilizer, affected by temperature? But they some are. As a matter of fact, that's one of the uh, one of the complaints about Osmocote. But uh, a good garden center. It, I don't have them at, you know, in my fingertips, but there are some that are not related to, to temperature. Okay. Uh, if you send me an email, I, you know, the, the fellow that helps me out on that, a guy named Herbie Austin, he's on the program from time to time. He, you know, he knows the, the details of that stuff, and I paint with a broader stroke. So if you want to shoot me an email, I'd be glad to, to learn from both of us and, and come up with a brand that, that's not as effective by temperature. Okay, but now one in, uh, in general, real quick final. I have some heliotrope out in the garden and the lower leaves are uh, you know turning black and getting slimy and my read on that is it's probably related to just too much water from all this rainfall uh, yeah it could also just be the the, the heat now heliotropes uh, you know I don't normally think of those as being great for the Gulf Coast you know they'll do okay but um, you know, anytime we have a lot of heat, humidity, I think that they may, I think that they may, may, may suffer a little bit. I think it likes more of a dry climate. Okay. Okay. It's Very good. A, well, more, well, of a, well, more of a Mediterranean, Mediterranean plant. But anyway, just try not to push them with too much water or fertilizer. Less is more when it comes to fertilizer. Our next caller is Jamie calling about trees. Hey, Jamie. Good hey, morning. Good. Howdy. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. What can I help you with? Um, look, we I told you about chestnut trees. I had a fourteen inch chestnut tree and my wife ran over with a lawnmower. It's about two inches tall now. Is it gonna come back out? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, it, it might. It might. You know, if it does, it's going to have it has more than one stem this winter. Cut off all but the strongest one. Cut off everything. You know, okay, that'll work. I mean, that's, that'll that's work. all we can do. Just just wait and see on it. But you know, be be gentle. I could have strangled it. I promise you. But anyway, enjoy your time in uh, England, there, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Our next caller is Russ in Madison about vipers. Hey, Russ, you got vipers in your yard? 
No, I, I meant to say Cypress. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I have a row of uh, Leland, Leland Cypress, I believe. Yeah. And I think they were planted by a previous homeowner as like a visual barrier between my house and a cemetery. A lot of and people do I, that. Since I moved into the house, uh, I've noticed that, well, one of them has burnt completely up and I noticed that the neighboring ones are starting to do the same maybe and I was wondering what causes that and what I might be able to do to prevent loss of, of the other trees. Okay, it's a, it's a kind of a delicate thing. When I was in college studying about plants to recommend for landscapes, I learned about the Leyland cypress. Uh, but I also learned, you know, we had to learn the pros and cons of all these plants. And one of the number one problems with the Leyland cypress is they don't like the south. They're real popular, and they're fast-growing, and sometimes they do great. But here's the thing. The two parents of this hybrid, one is native to Alaska, and one is native to the coast of California. In other words, they are native to places that are cooler. And when we have a lot of heat and humidity, clay soils, and drought, their roots are more subject to root diseases, which can cause the whole plant to die. But also the twigs are susceptible to a blight that causes twigs and branches to die back just because of our hot, humid summer nights. So, and and, and this is, is you know, if you Google uh, Leyland Cypress, browning out you'll come up with hundreds of, of, of things about it about all you can do is other than cutting out the brown stuff is to make sure that they don't go more than oh a, a, three or four weeks without a good soaking but not keep them wet if they're in a clay soil and we get a lot of rain their roots are going to suffer if they stay really really dry a long time their roots suffer and that makes them unable to resist the problems that a healthy one could resist there's not any sprays you can use so, uh, uh, it, it sounds negative, but these are real popular plants, but they're not great in the long run for landscape. Even though there's some great ones around, I get one out of every ten calls I get about plants browning out is going to be about a Leland cypress. It's real common. Okay. Uh, well, is there about, a, I guess my last question would be if, if I did lose these, is there something more native that would that would give me the same effect? Yeah, yeah, a plain old regular eastern red cypress, which is a cedar. Plain old cypress trees, they are fantastic if you can find them. They're not commercially available as much as the more popular fast-growing Leyland cypress because of supply and demand. But plain old eastern red cedar is a great plant. Uh, cherry laurel, which is a native uh, uh, broadleaf evergreen, it's a good one. Uh, ligustrum. Uh, wax ligustrum, which is really, really common. They're great screening plants, and I would start putting those sort of in front of and in between Leland Cypress for down the road, if you know what I mean. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Okay, you bet. Good luck on it. Whew. Jonas, we, did you did you get that summertime rap song that I sent you? I sure did. <laughs> oh, we're going oh, to do that one or the other one. It, it, you know, at first you know we did the other it. one last week, so we'll do the rap one today. Okay. Well, before we get into that, let me throw this out. I'm gonna, I, I want to raise a little stink here, I guess. <laughs> we we have a, a neighborhood where I live, a neighborhood uh, forum where people email, you know, there's a dog loose or, or somebody's knocking at my window. But anyway, a cat lover, somebody was talking about lease laws and dogs running around. A cat lover said that we're going to have to agree to disagree, but cats should not be pinned up like dogs. 
Uh, and I said, I will not agree to this. Cause she says it's okay for them to roam free because they're smarter than dogs. Hello. Uh, I like cats. I've even had some over the years. But the ones that come into my garden are thugs that they defecate, they urinate everywhere, and it smells bad in the summer. They also stalk and kill birds from my, my bird feeders. They dry my old spaniel nuts. And uh, I think they should be kept indoors, not, not to mention it's against the law in Mississippi. Leisha laws apply to cats as well as dogs. Where I got in trouble, I told her she would feel differently if she had raccoons or possums or rats or snakes in her yard. What makes a cat more special than a, than a raccoon to neighbors? So anyway, I'd like to know what y'all think. If you want to shoot me an email or give me a call, I know cats like to roam free, but we got to find a way to keep them in your yard, not in mine. And, you know, what's good for the for the goose is good for the gander. And I'm sorry, cats are not smarter than dogs. They're just more special about it. I want to get I want to get one more call before we go to the cheesy music. She's been on hold for quite a while, so. Okay, sure, you bet. Heck yeah. All right, let's go to Linda. She's driving on the road. Where are, you, where are you coming from and going to? Hello. Hello. You're on the air. What can we help you with? I found her. I can't hear you, but hopefully you can, I can hear you briefly on the radio. I have a strange problem this summer. I love verbena, and every plant that I have planted this year has died. I have no idea. I water. I fertilize. I do all the things that I think I'm supposed to be doing, and, they, and most of them are in pots. In fact, all of them are in pots. But they just won't make it. Do you have any suggestions? I'm going to hang up since I can't hear you otherwise. Thank you. Okie doke. We just can't hear otherwise, folks, because we have a little delay in case somebody says something nasty about cats. We can cut them off real quick. Anyway, Venus, uh, they don't like to stay really, really wet, and they don't like to dry out and stay dry out. They're one of those in-between plants. They like moderate care. Got them in a pot. If it's a big pot, it may be staying a little too wet, which causes root problems. If they're smaller pots, they may dry out and get root damage between soaking. So a lot depends on how big the plants are, what size the pots are. Um, and we have two kinds of verbenas. The ones that are annuals, they're sold in like six packs, uh, and they're planted every year. And then we have the perennial type, which spread and really need a bigger area than most pots. Unless you've got a really big pot and you're not overwatering, verbena may not be your best choice. So it's most likely to be a water-related issue. And if you're in pots and on a patio with a lot of reflected heat, that can sort of exacerbate. It can make it worse. So I'm guessing it's going to be a, a watering issue, too wet, a little too long, or too dry, a little too long. So anyway, we I can help some more. But uh, And we also have problems with spider mites over venus, but that's a whole other story. Meanwhile, let's take a little break, listen to some, some summertime rap music, and come back with more of your, and, and it's a, I think it's a, it's a great song. I, I, I identify with this poor guy who's talking about missing his bus and everything. So anyway, I'm Horticulture Spelder Rushing. This is the Gestalt Gardener. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We're going to take just a little short break, listen to some cheesy music, and come back with your calls after this. And keep in mind, you can email anytime, garden at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. Bum, bum, ba-da-ba-bum, bum, bum, bum. 
your voice for Mississippi. If you or your community has an event coming up and you'd like help spreading the word, send us an email. You've got mail. To PSA at mpbonline.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Owens. I'm Dr. Allie Brown. Join us on Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio, where we talk about issues related to health from a woman's perspective. Listen to us on Southern Remedy for Women on Fridays on MPB from 11 to 12. You don't have to be a woman to call in. So we'd love to hear from you. It's the show for women and the people who love them. Listen to us this morning. We'll be taking your calls to answer all your health questions. It's Southern Remedy for Women. This morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Hope you enjoy that. Hello, Summer. Don't you feel sorry for the guy? Everything goes wrong and then it's just really, really hot. Before we go back to the phone calls, let me uh, throw out, I just got an email from a uh, someone who sent me a real interesting link from the American Bird Conservancy. Now, these are the people who study uh, ways to, to help preserve our native birds. Um, and the president of the American Bird Conservancy says that cats are likely killing 
at least 500 million birds a year, feral cats as well as in uh, as well as city cats. He said cat predation is one of the reasons why one in three American bird species are in decline. I just want to throw that out. This is from the American Bird Conservancy. You got to expect them to stand up for birds. But anyway, let's go back to the phone calls. One eight seven seven MPB ring. I'm horticulture Stella rushing. Who we got, Sir Jonas? Our next caller is William calling from Petal about growing sweet corn. Thanks, Jonas. Appreciate it. Hey, William, good morning. Hey, fella, how you doing? I'm fine. I got an email last week from a fella who calls himself a cornaholic. He said he's, he's got enough rain this year to where he has filled his freezer with Silver King corn. So what you got going on? All right, well, this is what I got going on. I'm, I'm having trouble with the corn there. Uh, uh-huh. It. it it's uh, when planted. It uh, I didn't fertilize it and uh, just planted the seeds two inches deep and they come up. And yeah. then after it got about a foot too tall, I threw a little fertilizer on it, eight eight eight, and then pulled the dirt on it. And the the stalk never did get much more than your finger. And they got about six foot tall. And then uh, it had no uh, no growth to the stalk to survive a wind, and some of it got blown over in the wind. Yeah. And I just wondered, uh, what's the procedure for growing corn from start to uh, fertilizer and pulling dirt on it? Well, uh, first of all, I, I can't. I, I don't. I don't think you've done anything wrong. You know, it may not be exactly what most folks do, but unless you put a lot of fertilizer out there, um, you know, I, I just typically what we do is you work some fertilizer into the dirt when you first plant, so it's down in the dirt. You know, especially that second and third number, the, the, the 888, the first number is nitrogen. Second and third number need to be mixed into the dirt. But I think you would have done that when you threw dirt up to it. Um, the type of, of nitrogen that's in triple eight or triple 13 is called ammonium nitrate. It's extremely harsh, it's very strong, it's very fast, and it's temporary. So it could be that you got, gave your plants a big boost. Then all of a sudden, after a couple of three or four good rains, ammonia nitrate is just gone. Yeah. What most people do is they work the fertilizer a little bit into the row before they plant the seed. And then if the, when the corn gets about knee-high, they give it just a little extra, just nitrogen, and then maybe again, you know, a little bit later. But uh, two or maybe three light feedings of nitrogen spread out is better than a whole bunch at one time. And, uh, you know, it could also be, you know, the weather-related. They just didn't get rooted real well. But what I'd do is I'd work the fertilizer in when the corn comes up, throw the dirt up to it, and then after get about knee-high, hit them with just a little bit of extra nitrogen. Uh, all right, I'm going to try that next time. Uh, tell me one quick thing. All right, yeah. you know, they're talking about fertilizer. They say shoots, fruits, and roots. What is the, the type of chemical that applies to each of those? Okay, that's good. The first number is for green growth. Nitrogen, if it's a green plant like grass or ferns or anything that's green, needs that first number, nitrogen. It doesn't last very long, so you've got to apply it in little bits every now and then instead of a whole bunch at once, which yeah. is like overdosing it. The second number, phosphorus, is for flowers and fruit. But the more you put of that, doesn't give you more flowers or fruit. It needs just a little bit. If you put, keep putting it on, you can overdose it. The third number is for strong stems and roots and just basic plant functions. So the main thing is put a little bit, second, third number, at least every couple of years out there. And on the in-between time, just small amounts of something with a higher first number or nitrogen. Or what's, what is that third one? You didn't say the chemical name. It's, it's potassium or potash. All right. All right, Felder. Thank you for the info. 
Okay, good luck next time. By the way, folks, when corn blows over, sunflowers, when plants blow over, that's called lodging. And not much you can do about that with with, uh, with field crops. But with flower things, that's what stakes are for. A lot of people use stakes or stems or all sorts of different ways to, to prop up plants to get tall and fly to keep them from falling over. Who we got, Jonas? Betty calling from Hamilton, Alabama, about Zinnia. Thank you, sir. Hey, Betty, what's going on? You're oh, hey, I'm the hills there. Oh. No, I'm just having problems getting my zinnias to grow this year. Usually they'll just come up from last year, but this year I planted seed. They didn't come up. So finally, <sighs> I planted them in my flower pots, and um, and they came up, and I transplanted them. And they were uh-huh. growing pretty nicely, and I'm taking care of them. Well, Tuesday I went out, and something had been eating on them, so I thought, well, I'm not going to put any kind of uh, anything bad on them because they'll be pollinating, so I just sprayed it with some vinegar water. Well, Mm -hmm. I just went out just now, and they look like they're turning yellow, so maybe, I don't know what happened, but any idea? Well... (laughs) Well, a couple of things. Uh, vinegar is uh, is a lot of times used as a short-term weed killer, you know, even oh, though yeah. it's a natural problem. And it doesn't last very long. A lot of people take vinegar and they, they spray it on weeds, and it doesn't kill a lot of weeds. It'll burn them back. That may be all that is. Um, as far as your zinnia is not doing well, there's so many possibilities. One is your seeds, sometimes they come out real thick. You know, that they crowd each other, and if we get a lot of rain, they can actually get a, a, a stem, a root, or a lower stem disease. So, you know, I wouldn't even begin to know, you know, where to get started. The main thing is they do like a little bit of fertilizer and an occasional soaking. But other than that, these Mexican natives can take a lot of heat, a lot of drought, a lot of neglect. Well, do you think these are going to die, or is there any hope for them? No idea. No idea. Do you have any kind of liquid fertilizer around, like miracle Grow or something like that? I do. I do. Yeah. Mix it up at half strength. Whatever they say to put in a gallon of water, put half that much or put in the two gallons of water yeah. and fertilize them about half strength. Just give them a little shot of that. It's like a shot in the arm, and it can go right into to any green parts of the plant, leaves, stems, as well as the roots. But just give them a, just a light amount of that and see within uh, oh, five or six days or a week or so if they don't green back up. Okay, I hope so. And also about cats, I totally agree with you. So, You know, we love them to death, but, you know, keep them in your yard. Uh, yeah, but you can't do that with cats if you let them outside. They're I know. And, you know, and, and, and I know it's a real emotional thing with a lot of folks, but, you know, I don't want my neighbor's pet boa constrictor wandering around my garden either. And, and with the same <laughs> token, I've got dogs that come over and use my yard for their bathroom. Yeah, but anyway, people ought to take care of their pets. But thank you, I appreciate it. By the way, it's by no means. Pardon me. You got plenty of time to start more zinnias. You can plant zinnias in Hamilton, Hamilton, Alabama. You can plant them up until the the middle of August and still get flowers. Yeah, and I just love them. So they're so pretty. All righty, well, have fun. Good luck with it. Appreciate your call. (laughs) Our next call is Marion calling about our bougainvilleas. Thank you. Hey, Miriam, what's up? Hey, howdy. Hi. Well, I have a little problem with my bougainvillea. Um, I've had them in the years past, and I've used, like, miracle Grow and Root Rot, and it did fine. But this year I started with a premium topsoil, and I uh-huh. had to start over. That was no good. 
Um, but anyway, now I'm just not wanting to make a mistake. Uh, I read Bill Finch, uh, and he's talking about all potted plants, not right. to water the plant itself, but go down new plants, go down by the stem and just um, water there and use your miracle Girl. And I never know how much to use of miracle Girl for, like, a bucanvillia. I know yeah. they're heavy feeders, and uh, I really don't measure it. I just uh, dilute well, it in a you, spray bottle. You know, then, well, you know, when, when you get miracle Girl, it comes with a little scoop in it. Yeah. And one scoop to a gallon of water is the direct recommendation. Uh-huh. Okay. I, I put I put half a scoop in. You I use half. stuff like that at half strength, but you need to use it every three or four or five watering. Every three and four watering. Every time you every time you water, that flushes the fertilizer out. So you need to repeat every time you water your plants. Every third, every fourth or fifth time that you water. You know, to give them a little little fertilizer. Okay, all right. And, and the thing, and, and as much as I love Bill, I've known Bill forever. Uh, you don't need to worry about getting on the leaves because Miracle Grow is actually used as a foliage fertilizer. Well, and I do it on my own. I know. It, do, it doesn't doesn't hurt to, to water no. leaves of Bucanvillea. Okay. And do you ever use root rot uh, or root remover on uh, Bucanvillea? I know it worked for my first time. It worked beautifully. I and don't even know what. Yeah, I, it just makes them really bloom. But now when I'm using this much um, miracle Girl, I'm thinking, oh, maybe I should uh, just quit that. Uh, yeah, just just uh, you know, a, a teaspoon in a gallon of water. That's all you need. Don't worry about it. Okay. All right. Very good. If you if you measure my eyeball, put a put a teaspoon in your hand and see about how much that is, and use that much in your hand from then on. Not every, uh, about what? Twice a week. Every. every Oh, uh, well, I'm watering it. It's in a big pot. It's like an old scalding pot. And uh, so I use, and I haven't really been measuring it. I put in about like a two quart, uh, you know, like a big cottage cheese can full or a yogurt can full of water right next to the plant. And it's doing beautifully well. But now I noticed on some of the edge of the leaves, they're getting just a, like they... Um, are a little dry there, and I don't think it's drought. I, because the the plant itself looks too healthy. Could it be that I'm using too much Miracle Grow? Hello. All right, we got Hello, you back, Felder. <laughs> I didn't touch anything. Was that Haley? I'm not sure. It wasn't me this time. I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> Usually it's me, but I promise I wasn't touching anything. Um, anyway, I was telling that lady that bougainvilleas are incredibly drought tolerant. She may be watering way too often. So, and pruning it back can sometimes help balance the top of the roots. Who we got on the line, Sir Jonas? We have Carmen calling from Jackson County about um, bulrush. Hey, Carmen. Hey, Elder. You, you want bulrush? You're trying to get rid of it. Oh, I'm trying to get rid of it. And I killed it, you know, with Roundup. Now, um, should I um, dig it up? Yeah. Well, you must have a kind of a low, wet yard. Well, it's around the pond. I'm trying to clean up the pond. Ah, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Um, well, for, for what it's worth, bulrush doesn't really hurt anything. I mean, to be honest with you, it doesn't hurt anything. It doesn't get really too big. And it is a native plant. 
But uh-huh. uh, anyway, yeah. If you you know if you if you kill it, you know just chop it chop it down, mow it down. Okay. All right. But I mean, and you I know, have one other like, like question. What's Pardon that? Elder. Yeah. Oh, I have. Uh, this is about uh, killing the tallow trees, and these are old tallow trees. What's the best method? Yeah. The best method is to cut them down because when they're dead, you got to cut them down anyway. Cut yeah. them down, and then when they, when they spray the when they put up new growth from the base, spray that. But but and you know the, the you have to you have to cut them down anyway. Now they do have a way where you can cut the the trunk and pour Roundup in it, but it's not as effective. You got to cut the trees down anyway. So I just wait, you know, cut them down, and then when the new growth gets about knee high, you can spray that. And, and I, I might want to mention this Roundup. Yes, according okay. to direction. But let me mention this. Let me mention this real quick. The the only reason I recommend Roundup is because it's I think it's environmentally sound, but it is not to be used around wet areas or wetlands. If you get it in water, the soap that's in it, the surfactant can cause problems. Roundup should not be used around uh, around aquatic areas. But if you want to use something similar, they have a product that doesn't contain the surfactant. It's called Rodeo. But you, rodeo, you know, Roundup, okay. Yeah, Rodeo doesn't have – it's the surfactant or the wetting agent, kind of the soapy stuff that's in Roundup, should not be used around wet areas at all. Okay. So around the pond, another problem I've had is alligator weed. Yep. Okay. Rodeo, so rodeo is, is, is labeled for use around aquatic areas. Roundup is not. And Roundup does cause, the only time I've seen it cause problems mm-hmm. is around water. And it, and uh, it can cause problems. So. Okay. Okay. Send me, if, I appreciate if you need more information so on that, shoot, shoot me an email if you have some more questions about it. Okay. I sure will. Thank you. All righty. And by the way, before we go to another call, Robert Amenta uh, sent me an email. He's in the good graces of his wife, who he says is a Cajun woman from the coast, because a pear tree he planted last year started flowering this spring, and his flowers smell like boiled shrimps. His wife loves it. I didn't know anything about this. I looked it up, and apparently it turns out that a lot of pear flowers smell like boiled or dead shrimp. Who knew? Who knew? We got any more phone calls, Jonas? We have no calls, as a matter of fact. Um, I don't know if we have time. We probably have time to get one more in, but we don't have any callers as of right now. You might want to just okay. answer emails. You got well, any more I, emails? I got some really good ones. One is the uh, Charlotte Propes sent me a photo of a, of a little small tree that was really weird. It turns out to be a native sumac tree, not the poisonous sumac. The native sumac trees I had in my front yard had these really weird little swollen hollow balls hanging from the from the all up and down the, the, the leaf stems. And it's just a type of insect gall, G A L L. It's really kinda of ornamental. Doesn't hurt the plant, it's kinda of weird. Uh, and also an old friend from the Delta named John Bradley, lives in Oxford, wants to know if he can plant the seeds that are forming on his his camellia. And the answer is yes, but there's some little tricks to it. So if you have questions about propagating plants about rooting plants, about growing from seeds. Sometimes there's tricks. Sometimes it's straightforward. Uh, shoot me an email. If you have a weird plant to be identified, I may not know it, but if it's a clear picture, I can find out, or I can send it to the people who do help me out. Um, a fellow named Victor Maddox up at Mississippi State helps me all the time identifying unusual native plants, and I, I appreciate Dr. Maddox doing that. Anyway, shoot me an email anytime, garden at mpbonline.com. Dot org. I'll be glad to help you anytime. 
Uh, also, I uh, got an email from Elizabeth Henry who wants to know if she can thin out some of the branches of her dwarf Japanese maple. I thinned mine out so it looks like a small bonsai tree, but it's important when you're thinning branches off trees or shrubs, if you're just trying to shape the plant up and remove stuff, don't leave stubs. Let them flush with what they're growing off of. And then give them, uh, uh, make sure you're not cutting off so many that all of a sudden you can scald a previously shaded trunk. I wouldn't take off more than that, a fourth or a third of the more of limbs or branches of a tree. And again, don't leave any stubs. Uh, last one, I got a, an email from Kathy Strayham. She lives in Dallas, Texas. She sent me a link on all the ways you can try to get rid of crawfish in your lawn. I'm thinking if you got heavy clay or an area that stays wet, you got those crawfish, they'll put those chimneys up. Leave them alone. They're not hurting anything. They eat grass. They're like big worms. And knock the, the chimneys over and keep on going. But so why kill something that's not really bothering you? That's just my approach. And the last thing, I just want to appreciate uh, Ryan McDermott from Mobile sending me information about guys suffering from PS, PTSD from Vietnam and Korea getting together and starting a garden club for therapy. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. This is the Gestalt Gardeners, a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We call it Think Radio. And uh, my producer today is Sir Jonas Adams. My phone greeter is Haley, an MPB intern from Clinton. I'm your host, Horticulture's Felder Rushing. Here's hope you get rain, but not too much. If you have a kid or children in the neighborhood, take them to a garden center farmer's market. Show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.